Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Welcome to another MentorCore podcast. This week, I am so excited to have with us Liz Dunchy. Liz Dunchy is one of my all-time favorites, so we'll just start with that. Um, <laughs> but she is the managing editor at thecorporatecouncil.net. She also is the managing editor at CCR Corp, and there's so much more to that. Um, you may not recognize every publication as one that you're familiar with, but Liz is going to be able to help us understand how her passion for helping public companies anticipate trends and navigate technicalities is really driving a lot of the work that she's doing and shows up to the benefit of all of the people who are working in this space. So let me not take away any time from Liz. Um, Liz, we are thrilled to have you here. And the first question that I have for you is, tell us a little bit about what brought you to this point today in your career and um, how you've made the decisions that brought you to this moment. Well, like many of your guests, it's been a long and winding road. So first of all, I just want to thank you both, Lisa Beth and Dan, for having me on the show. Um, you have had such a slate of wonderful guests, so I feel very honored to have been invited and to be talking with you both here today. Um, and you are both so accomplished in your own right. So, um, so thanks for having me. Um, first, I'll say that in the Venn diagram that applies to compliance work, um, I am in the section of securities law compliance, i.e. what companies tell their investors, and also corporate governance, which, as you both know, can have lots of definitions. Um, but what I look at as what should and does rise to the level of board involvement how to structure the board for optimum oversight and evaluate board performance, and how to ensure that the board is set up and functioning in a way that aligns with its fiduciary duties and that helps management identify and execute on risks and opportunities. And as far as how I got into that, um, in some ways, I kind of grew up in the business and compliance world because my dad owned a small business. And my mom was an internal auditor, very exciting. Uh, and so, uh, so I kind of hear about you know, what they were doing and always kind of had this um, sense that I would go into the business world in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I ended up taking the legal path into that, um, not, not as in contrast to being illegal, but uh, the <laughs> substance of law and the practice of law, um, because I'm drawn to solving problems. And in law school, I externed for a justice on the Delaware Supreme Court, which was an amazing opportunity. And I eventually zeroed in on securities law as a specialty practice area because I really enjoy the complexity of that regulatory framework and just collaborating with business leaders and corporate secretaries and other service providers to help companies tell their story and find capital to pursue their goals. 
Uh, and then corporate governance, as you know, ties in very closely with that um, because public disclosures to shareholders tend to put boards in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of disclosures keyed specifically into how the board is doing its job, including around the annual director election process. And in fact, there's a disclosure renew, review initiative at Corp Fin right now about board leadership and risk oversight that people are very focused on. So, um, I then took that legal services know-how along with um, what I would say was kind of mid-level management experience in the law firm environment where I was on you know, a lot of committees and running different things um, in various leadership roles and had the somewhat unexpected opportunity to move into an executive role at a legal publishing company. So for the past several years, I've been the managing editor at CCR Corp, as you mentioned, and that is the company behind um, a suite of websites and other publications. Our flagship product is the corporatecouncil.net. Um, we also have compensationstandards.com, which is focused on executive pay, disclosures and um, compensation committee oversight and things like that. Um, Section16.net, which is very niche uh, on, on ownership reporting. Um, Deallawyers.com, focused on M&A issues. And our newest resource, practicalesg.com, which is focused on the deluge of um, environmental, social, and governance issues. And we count over 70% of the S&P 500 and 90% of the AMLA 100 uh, as members of our sites. And many, many mid-sized and small companies and firms and consultancies are also members. And so um, I've been really proud to be able to help the community as a whole stay on top of just this deluge of SEC rulemaking and the business impact of all of the world events that we've seen the past few years and be able to service their own clients in an effective way. Uh, and I was also a very heavy user of our sites when I was practicing. So um, I know how valuable they are and how much they help people avoid panic attacks and things like that. Um, and this role has also been a really big growth opportunity for me um, because it is, we are a small company, but it is an executive leadership role. Um, I am still creating content and guidance myself, but I also manage our team of very high caliber editors, um, which include people in consulting roles who were formerly very high level at the SEC, um, very experienced practitioners. And then I'm part of our small internal executive leadership team helping to navigate our own company's strategies and risks and opportunities. So a lot of hats there. That's neat. But when will we be seeing the launch of, so you're now forced to have a security person on your board.net? <laughs> um. <laughs> yes, I was just talking with somebody about that yesterday, and I'm, I'm sure that we will be covering that in even more detail in the months to come. Because well, that it's a really interesting topic and one that many security practitioners don't, well, are excited to see happen. But when somebody taps your shoulder, don't always know how to go deal with. Uh, so I would love yeah. to, I think it's a topic area that's just ripe to be dealt with. Um, yeah, and I think bridging the communication gap between those technical experts and um, other business leaders um, is a really important piece of that and, and something that takes a unique skill set. So it will be interesting to see um, where the board composition momentum falls. That's well, wonderful. 
you know, uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting is right. I was, I am, I was raised as a baby securities lawyer back in the day, yeah. um, and at that time, it really was something that you know attorneys handled, and um, the disclosures were were relatively limited. And then all of a sudden, in the last like probably decade and a half. Yeah. Um, there have been more and more and more touch points with, you know, either, you know, HR or people functions. Cybersecurity is now one of those touch points. Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, there's, there's so many different aspects, whether it's um, around your ESG disclosures and potential climate change risks and other things like that. Like, where was that shift? And now it's on everybody's agenda. What, how should we be communicating with each other? Yeah, that is a huge challenge for everybody right now. It feels like all of these different skill sets and practice areas are intersecting and um, we can all learn from each other's specific sets of expertise. Um, but we also have to be able to put that into the big picture um, in terms of information that gets communicated to the board and strategic decisions that are made and also information that's communicated externally um, to shareholders and other stakeholders. And so uh, I think people are still finding their way in that, to be honest. Um, we have even been finding that in our own communications, like in our sales conversations for our various products, like some people who you would think would be squarely in the environmental and social governance practice area may not be as familiar with that terminology as you might expect. And so um, it is definitely a learning process for everybody. And I think um, you're getting your working group together and having trusted resources, uh, your trusted colleagues, and just being able to um, go back and brainstorm with those people is a really important part of that process. It's an exciting time to be a corporate governance and securities lawyer because, um, you know, I'm kind of a nerd in, in this area and it does seem to be gaining more recognition as an important topic with the broader world and um, all of these different areas. So yeah, it is a fun time. Without without question, it's I mean it's it's prevalent. It's everywhere, and if you're if you if you if you're not seeing it, you're not looking very hard. Um, so the question that comes to mind is: so you've made this, you you you've now taken a very practitioner role, and now you're applying it into the publishing space, into the editing space. Um, one of the topics that comes up a lot is, you know, alternative uses for education and experience. I've got different ways I can apply it. Do I have to have done all this hardcore in order to become a practitioner? So my question sort of goes both ways. One, how, what were you able to bring out of having been a practitioner and apply to the, yeah, the, the editing and publishing side of this role and vice versa? What elements do you see from that that can be useful for practitioners uh, in the field that are active in the field that they can go and be better at what they do by have, by taking a look at? Oh, that is such a good question, Dan. Thank you so much. And it only took um, me 30 minutes to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, having had the practitioner experience is a really key part of the role that I'm in, because as I mentioned, I am 
still producing content, which needs to be relevant to people. And so one of the things we do here is we have daily blogs. We have 10 blogs um, that go out every day. And so I'm still producing many of those blogs and I need to be able to recognize um, not just what the issues are, but how those issues actually play out for practitioners in the problems that they're solving. And so um, having that experience is important. And again, across our editorial team, everyone on our team is just extremely accomplished and experienced in that regard. Um, and, and that also helps from an executive leadership perspective, because I really understand our audience and how people use our resources and how people who aren't using our resources could benefit from having them. And so um, all of those experiences kind of play into that. And then on the flip side, um, I would say, you know, my eyes have been opened. I, like I said, I, I do have kind of this business background growing up. I was an economics major and a, a general business major. And so, you know, I was not, um, living in a liberal arts bubble like some lawyers might be. <laughs> um, I've always kind of had that that business background. But um, being on an executive leadership team and seeing, you know, day to day being involved in the budget decisions and um, where we need to allocate resources and how to prioritize things and um, handle different risks and opportunities and things like that. Um, has really enhanced my understanding as a securities lawyer, and I think is something um, that other securities lawyers in their practice, you know, to the extent that they are in-house working with the business folks or um, being able to be seconded or just work closely with the business folks in some manner, um, anyone who's a practitioner could really benefit from that because it really helps you understand um, how these issues get put into practice as you're giving legal advice. Very interesting. That's terrific. So one of the things as we take a little bit different tact, um, it, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is what you're most excited about this fall. I mean, we are in the season of the pumpkin spice latte. Um, so <laughs> right, I don't know if there's enough to handle some of the things that happen in the day to day. But what are you most excited about right now? We have um, a lot coming at us as, as a company specifically and, and just in the general practitioner space. And so one thing that I mentioned a little bit earlier is just that it's an exciting time to be in this space. It's getting a lot of intention. And um, more broadly speaking, one thing that I've been very excited about is to see that companies and stakeholders seem to be coming together in a more meaningful way to address some of the systemic and company specific issues that have been kind of bubbling up for a while now. Um, the past proxy season, uh, just this spring in 2022, shareholder proponents submitted a record number of proposals. I think I saw that there were over 900 proposals submitted um, and you never really get the true count, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. And so those proposals can address core corporate governance issues like shareholder voting rights and, and things like that, but they can also address things like civil rights audits and, or the right to repair hardware or workplace arrangements or pay equity, environmental issues, all of, like they really run the gamut. Um, and so for the past several years, 
there was a lot of surprise around many of these types of proposals getting majority support from shareholders and you know how companies were going to react to that. And what we saw this year was that the big asset managers were taking a very close look at what the proposals were asking. And they were finding in many cases that companies already had the wheels in motion to accomplish the things that the proponents were looking for in a way that works for the business. And so some people took that as a sign that ESG momentum is slowing, um, but I actually found it to be very encouraging because it shows that companies are taking these issues seriously and making progress. And to your earlier question, that there's better communication happening. Um, and so I find that very exciting, um, but there are also, you know, so many communication hurdles that we still need to um, be able to overcome. And there's so much information coming and, and things like that. And so I am very excited with the way that our membership sites can help practitioners sift through and find those practical solutions. Um, we've launched our new practical ESG.com resource earlier this year. And that site is led by Lawrence Heim, who has 35 years of experience in the ESG auditing space. And so um, he's really helping guide folks to um, prioritize and take those practical step-by-step -step actions to, to put things into motion. Um, and then um, the SEC is still busy with a lot of rulemaking. And so uh, in one of my um, dear to my heart areas is executive compensation. And so one of the recent rulemaking initiatives out of the commission has been pay versus performance disclosure. Um, that's a big deal. It's the biggest change to executive comp disclosure in like the past many years, maybe the past decade. Um, and so people are sorting through that because it's going to be required in 2023 proxy statements. That's coming up quickly. And so we will be doing a special event on November 10th about tackling pay versus performance disclosure. And that's going to have some really great insights, some really good materials for people to take away. And I'm very excited to share that with people as well. Can we put a link to that in the show notes, Liz? Of course, I will Absolutely. send that to you. Great. Great. So we are unfortunately starting to run out of time here. Um, and I want to make sure we get our uh, kind of signature question in, which is, as you look back on your career and life, what's the best advice you ever got from a mentor? Well, I've had a lot of good mentors along the way, so it's a little hard to narrow that down. But I will say that much of my career has been trial by fire. And I think that um, what mentors have shown me, even if they haven't expressly said this out loud, is that um, you kind of have to embrace being uncomfortable in order to grow. And I've been lucky to work with people who've given me responsibilities that often feel like they are maybe just outside of my comfort zone. And they've trusted me and supported me to grow into those roles. Um, at the same time, you have to be able to advocate for yourself if you recognize that you need additional resources or training. And so um, that has been an important piece of advice that I've gotten to. Um, and then I would say on the flip side, one of the hardest things that I've learned over time as a manager and executive, and that's kind of a complimentary piece of advice that my CEO continues to hammer into me currently, 
um, is that it's it's very difficult to let go and allow others to stretch to their full capacity, but it is something that you have to learn to do in order to continue to level up in your own career, um, even if it's not always necessarily smooth. And so um, that's another piece of advice that I'm still working on actually implementing, but I think it's a good one. Uh, it's one of those that will be, we always will continuously try and implement it and do it more and more as we go, as we keep on going. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being here. Just really great to talk to you and 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 learn about you and this transition and the work you're doing in, um, in the publishing space. I've attempted to capture all of the names of the sites you listed. Um, <laughs> if I've missed any, let me know. Uh, otherwise, look in, look in the... Uh, uh, look in the show notes and you'll be able to, to, to go through to all of the sites uh, that are part of the portfolio. Um, and uh, just thank you for being here. Thanks for being here. And thanks for spending some time sharing with us. Thank you both. Great. And thanks to you, the listener, for being here. We appreciate you as well. Uh, and we really appreciate your feedback. Uh, you can reach us at info at mentorcore.biz. Send us an email. Um, if you would like to find us on either YouTube or on your favorite podcast app, search for MentorCore. Uh, or you can always find e this episode and every episode we've done uh, on our website, www.mentorcore.biz. Thanks so much, and we'll see you again soon on the next MentorCore.